if the aging journey is housed in the DNA methylation, and that we can actually action on and shift, as our study and others suggest, and aging is the biggest risk factor of all the chronic diseases, if we can reverse our biological age with our lifestyle choices, then we should be able to, by extension, reduce the risk of all of the chronic diseases that befall us in this country. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today I am joined by Dr. Kara Fitzgerald, whom I'm very excited to welcome to the show. Hey, Dr. Fitzgerald, how are you? I am great, thanks. Good to be with you, too. You wrote a book that the world needs to know about. It's called Younger You, Reduce Your Bio Age and Live Longer Better. Why did you write this book? Well, I wanted to get the information out in its entirety. So we conducted a research study. We started our study in 2018. We published in 2021. It was an eight-week intervention, but research takes a long time. We used a diet and lifestyle intervention, and, and we measured biological age, and we'll talk about that. And we the, the take-home of our research was that using a diet and lifestyle intervention, we were able to reverse biological age or slow biological age down in our study group by over three years as compared to the control group. So it was big news when our study was was published. It got a lot of attention around the world. You know, I'm, I, I have a clinical practice in Connecticut and I educate other professionals. I've been on faculty at the Institute for Functional Medicine for a long time. I'm like, I'm kind of behind the scenes with other professionals kind of a person and here in my little clinical practice as well. Um, so this was really, it kind of blew up for us, this study. It was it was crazy. Actually, it was unlike anything I, I've, I've ever experienced. Uh, it, it was a first of its kind publication as well. This was, And this is actually precisely why it got so much attention. And so one of our reviewers, when you put something into the professional literature, peers review it and comment and give you feedback, constructive feedback, how to change it, how to make it better. But one of them simply said, this needs, this could be broadly adopt, adopted and we need to get this information out. And that was a piece of the motivation for me to publish what we did in very plain language and just make it available to everyone as soon as we could. And so that was our motivation. Well, we are going to jump into it, Dr. Fitzgerald. We are going to jump into how DNA methylation impacts biological age. We are going for a deep dive. But before we do that, would you mind telling people a little bit more about your background and who you are and what you do? Sure, sure. So again, I'm in Connecticut. I'm in Fairfield County. We have a we have a small brick and mortar clinical practice, but we have a lot. We have a number of physicians and nutritionists with us in the virtual space. If anybody wants to check us out, that's always possible. I'm a naturopathic physician. That's my credential, my medical training. And then I was very fortunate to move into laboratory science for my postdoctorate training. So I was in a I was in a residency and in in an integrative medical clinic. But the lion's share of my time was actually working under a um, nutritional biochemist in a lab. That set me up for doing clinical research. That set me me up for thinking about DNA methylation and looking at ways to measure biological age, et cetera. It really formed foundation of, of my career. From the lab, I started to lecture for other professionals, train other 
other physicians in laboratory science. And, and then I published a collection of case studies using this laboratory science, again, for professionals. And then after that, I started lecturing for the Institute for Functional Medicine, which is really the premier professional organization training physicians and other clinicians in the functional medicine model. So most of my world has been working in the professional training arena, as well as managing my own clinic. You know, I'm a, a science geek at heart. I love answering questions, doing this research, uh, conducting the study we're going to talk about was just one of the most extraordinary uh, opportunities of my career. And it's just wildly, deeply satisfying. I'm also a mom of a four-year-old here and I'm a cyclist and, you know, I've got a regular life and, you know, like to be, like to really kind of practice what we sort of uncovered in our, in our research. Like having a life is, is a good idea. <laughs> Highly recommended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not always easy. Kara, I want to share kind of your thesis with everyone and then we'll jump into it. But the first question that people are going to have is what the heck is DNA methylation in the first place? And and I really learned about it. It's a term I've certainly been exposed to through podcasts and whatnot. But I just think that you have such a great, simple way to explain this. And I want to share the way that you say it in your book. And then if you don't mind expanding on it, you said for simplicity, we can think of DNA methylation as the operating system. It tells your hardware, your genes, what to do. Now, why is that important when it comes to reducing or maintaining our biological age? Yeah. So let me just give you a little background. And if I get too crazy, if anything's unclear, just interrupt me and I'll come back. We thought you know, back in the day when we mapped out the human genome, we, we, we mapped out our DNA. We figured out what each gene was basically back in about 2003. We thought that we would realize, you know, we thought that we would figure out gene A causes disease A, gene B causes disease B. I mean, we really thought that we would have a Rosetta Stone for chronic disease. We would know what genes, you know, dictate your fate. And in fact, we learned the opposite. I'm sure for some scientists, this was mind blowing to realize they weren't going to unpack this Rosetta Stone and have all of these answers. In fact, what we realized is that genes don't play a big role in um, chronic diseases, the kind of chronic diseases that we're overwhelmed with in, in this country and elsewhere. And that prompted people to turn their attention to what we call the epigenome or epigene. So epi is above, you know, and then gene, your genetic material. So these are the things that regulate, the epigenome regulates what genes are on and what genes are off. And it turns out, so this is the operating system you just talked about. This is, and this is where the rubber meets the road. So we all, you know, we have got the same genetic material in every single cell in our body, but what's on and what's off is going to dictate how we are doing. I mean, it's actually extraordinary. And this on off, this operating system is in our control in a big, big way. Way. So, so we realized that no, your genes aren't your destiny. You know what your mom was like, your dad was like, et cetera, and down the line, that's not going to influence your health span and your lifespan or just marginally. In fact, it's our choices day in and day out every day that will dictate whether we have, you know, a nice robust life and health span or whether we struggle with, you know, the well-documented phenomena in this country of, you know, chronic diseases. 
Yeah. And in a time care where people are getting their 23andMe tests or whatever tests tell them what they're prone to genetically, I mean, that can really set someone on a dire, dire course because they feel, you know, they almost manifest or bring that into being by focusing on it. Yes. Um, When you actually have a great deal more autonomy or choice or optionality, according to your study and according to your book, what I found super interesting about what you said is that through through your growing understanding of epigenetics, that we can reduce the risk of all diseases and conditions by seeking to either maintain or reduce our biological age. In other words, yeah. so much more control resides with us through our lifestyle choices. Is that fair? Oh my gosh. It's hugely fair. And for some of us, for, for some of us, we are going to be singing, you know, deep gratitude from the rooftops. For others, they're there's going to be a depression that sets in, you know, like, wow, I have to take deep responsibility. So let me answer actually the the central question that you asked me around DNA methylation. So DNA methylation is a major epigenetic mark. It's a major way we regulate which genes are on and which genes are off. There's a host of other ways that we influence which genes are on or off, but at DNA methylation is the best studied. It's the longest researched. We have really good tools to look at it. And arguably, it's more resilient over time. It sticks around. It's more influential than some of the other processes. An amazing scientist in 2013 out of UCLA, Steve, Dr. Steve Horvath, published a biological age clock using patterns of DNA methylation. So this is where biological age comes into the epigenome. And he realized, and there's clocks, subsequent clocks that we can talk about. Um, The science has evolved since 2013, but he realized we could very, very uh, closely predict chronological age. So his first clock was a great predictor of chronological age, but there was a little bit of wiggle room. And it turned out that this wiggle room is in fact our biological age. So some people wiggled a lot younger, some people wiggled older. And he also began to, well, he as he studied more, he looked at massive, massive, massive data sets, like the Women's Health Initiative and all of their offspring, et cetera. So, so hundreds of thousands of individuals. He realized that his clock predicted uh, mortality and morbidity so health so so lifespan and health span more reliably than chronological age itself so his clock was better at predicting when you might get sick when you might die than chronological age itself so it was an extraordinary moment in time and since then we've been looking at whether or not we can actually slow down or even reverse the biological age clock and you know the ones that we're using in in science are you know primarily ones with dna methylations looking at dna methylation patterns Okay, so I'm going to sort of restate the what, and then I want to talk a little bit about the why. But here's what I'm hearing you say, and I'm going to like USA Today version this. Good, good, good. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) That's that's how I roll. So, okay. So aging appears to be driven by DNA methylation. DNA methylation is a process that influences which genes are turned on and which genes are turned off. That's huge and relatively new insight. Yeah. But what you're now saying is that we use DNA methylation as an epigenetic clock 
to measure biological age. So because DNA methylation changes as we age, mm -hmm. it appears not to just be a marker of aging, but a driver of aging. And yeah. therein lies the choices and the, you know, do I make a left or right turn here? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, I think that I think that you've summarized it actually really pretty nicely. So these clocks are not just suggestions of how healthy you are caused by something else in the body. These clocks and DNA methylation as a whole seem to be drivers of the aging journey itself. So like if you were, I would say that if you were looking for root cause aging, a significant player in that root cause would be thinking about DNA methylation and DNA methylation patterns. So root cause of aging. And let me point out that aging is the biggest risk factor for all the chronic diseases of aging by a lot you know, by a lot, 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 lot. So for instance, when I say lung cancer, you think smoking. No, aging is the bigger risk factor by a lot than smoking for lung cancer. So if the aging journey is housed in the DNA methylation and that we can actually action on and shift as our study and others suggest, and aging is the biggest risk factor of all the chronic diseases. If we can reverse our biological age with our lifestyle choices, then we should be able to, by extension, reduce the risk of all of the chronic diseases that befall us in this country. Okay. we I promise, promise, promise you that we are going to get to what influences DNA methylation, what influences it positively and what influences it negatively. But stick with us here and let's talk about the why this matters. So I learned something that I wasn't thrilled to learn. Life expectancy in the U.S., I'm just talking about the U.S. right now, is on the decline. So yeah. we are not only living a shorter time, and I believe you're citing the World Health Organization in this, although we have a life expectancy of, I want to say 79 years, the average age for developing a serious illness is 63 years. So that is 16 years of your life in an illness. Yeah. Do I have that? I, I don't know why I'm laughing. That is so not great news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like ghastly laughable because it's so horrible. Like who, none of us imagine kicking into chronic disease and spending the remaining, you know, our golden years sick. Like this is just not how we see our life trajectory. And when you actually look at, look at it in numbers, it's horrible. And one disease actually begets another. Like once you sort of slip into the chronic disease trajectory, they tend to pile on. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I sit back and I think the U.S. Now, now we have listeners all over the world, Kara, but the U.S. is not alone right. in that it is a very well-resourced country. And yet we have such high rates of chronic disease. I mean, I think 80% of adults over 65 have at least one chronic disease and 68% have at least two. That's another little factoid that I picked up from your book. And a big part of my mission and this community, Kara, is not accepting chronologically aging, the process of aging. Everyone's yes. aging. Your yes. three-month-old baby is aging. Not accepting aging as the reason we feel terrible or are living with chronic disease. So I, I'm here to crack that lie apart and then bringing experts like you to my community to share how much control we actually do have. Getting old is not a reason to feel terrible. Right. That's right. In fact, and, and we're in the driver's seat of that. We're in the driver's seat of that choice. We really are. 
Can you just lay the table with at very high level, because I want people to understand how much, how empowered we are to change this. What are just like at 30,000 feet, some of the things that influence positively and negatively your DNA methylation? Yeah, absolutely. So it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty intuitive. There are some nuances, some unique features of our research and of our, of our, of our plan in the book, but listen, you know, eating well, eating a plant dense diet, it's not vegan or it can be if you're vegan or it can be vegetarian. It's, it's, it's a flexible program, but it is plant dense. There are a lot of green leafies. We want you to do things like turmeric and we want you to do a lot of different polyphenols, turmeric being a big one, but, you know, uh, green tea, we want you to do, you know, berries and, you know, dark, dark, colorful veggies, et cetera. We want you, we want you to eat cruciferous and, you know, a decent amount beets, beets are something that we consider that, that is an important nutrient for DNA methylation. Um, mushrooms, wild mushrooms, shiitake, anaki, even button, even classic, you know, pizza button mushrooms are are helpful for methylation. We want to do uh, less sugar. Uh, when for the eight week intensive program, there was no alcohol. It was you can resume, you know, modest drinking after that if you want to. We pulled legumes out just for the eight weeks because they can be a little bit problematic for blood sugar control in some in some of us who are off the. Um, you know, in the standard American diet pattern, we want you to get, you can get some animal protein and we talk about that. Eggs are a really smart methylation superfood, one of our dynamic dozen, as we call them. We want you to sleep enough. We want you to work on stress. Uh, we want you to move your body and take care of your gut. That's the high level view of what we're interested in. And Kara, forgive me because this will sound flip, but so many people are like, oh man, I already knew that. Meaning the real bear of this is all of the things we talk about are true. What's unique and super interesting about this, Kara, is the why. Because yeah. we know, and, and some of the other positive influences that you talk about, you know, everything from relaxation. I love that you have cuddling on your list of positive influences. Like I'm a big fan. Um, meditation, sleep, just right foods, just right exercise, and good gut bugs. And then negative influences that you share, again, very, very high level, range from toxins to not enough movement to too much exercise to certain types of medications and antibiotics, yeah. et cetera, excessive stress high blood sugar, bad gut bugs. And the point of sharing this with you guys who are joining us in this conversation today is not because you've never heard this before, but because Kara's research and everything that you share in this book connects the dots between saying, oh, wait, all of these things that I know I quote should be doing, it's not just for that the vague notion of health and wellness, but you are saying, and what you have your entire research project and book about is you can add years to your life by reducing your biological age. Now, what I thought was super interesting there was that you said you can take care of your epigenetic expression at every single life stage, yeah. be it infancy, midlife, or your later decades, which will at any point have the ability to change a trajectory you may be on. Yeah, that's right. And there's some really key time points as well. Aging being, you know, one of the biggest, but preconception, you know, every pregnancy, early infancy, even times you think there's a break in the action, like, you know, prepubescence and stuff like that. I mean, we're always, our genes are always, you know, there's always some thinking going on around what genes should be on and what genes should be off. And it's, 
taking into consideration the information that we're providing. So the nutrient information, the lifestyle information, et cetera, at any time point. So we have the opportunity at any time point to start to provide really intelligent, optimal information. I mean, it's just really, it's extraordinary. And the reason I'm passionate about this, Kara, is because I talk to a lot of men and women who are in their 40s or their 50s, and it starts to slip into their, and occasionally my, I'll own this, our language that, oh, I'm getting older, oh, I'm too old for this, or, you know, (laughs) I make a noise every time I get up. Um, (laughs) We blame our feeling less than on our aging, and I just... I just think we need to stop and we need to identify the root cause and we need to call it what it is. And the true fact is, is as you get older, you accumulate. So yes, there's a cumulative effect, of course. But one of the things that you point out is that middle adulthood starting in the 40s is just as impactful. This is mind blowing. Middle age, middle adulthood starting in the 40s is just as impactful of an epigenetic time as wait, how do you say embryogenesis? As when you're an embryo. (laughs) How do you say that? Embryogenesis. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? I mean, there is so much happening at the level of gene expression at, at the level of epigenetics. And the bummer about the aging journey is that our gene expression tends to move towards something that looks like the chronic diseases. So, so you can see if you look at sort of heart disease or if you look at cancer if you look, the, look if you look at dna methylation you know in cancer cells or in somebody with heart disease or autoimmunity or dementia etc so you can see certain changes negative changes inflammation tends to be on so those genes associated with inflammation or if you look at cancer you'll see the genes that eliminate cancer called tumor suppressor genes those genes are off genes that promote cancer those are called oncogenes are on so you see these like lousy patterns that you don't want to see in the aging journey, sort of these predictable negative changes. Inflammation is on, you know, our risk for disease is higher, our ability to control blood sugar gets high, you know, gets weaker, and, and we can see that in the level of the genome, uh, et cetera. So the aging epigenome looks like these diseases as well. So you can put them all together and aging looks like heart disease, like dementia, like cancer, autoimmunity, et cetera, et cetera. Aging looks like those. And so we need we need to be making very intentional choices around allowing those um, epigenetic changes to kick in. We need to be sort of swimming against the current with our choices. I have a confession. I don't have the perfect diet. I don't have a personal chef. <laughs> I do not eat perfectly whole foods, organic foods day in and day out. What I do do, however, is look for the most nutrient density that I can find in a day. However, what I do to support that and to support my nutrient density every single day is I add Organifi to my diet. That means that in the morning, I will have an Organifi green juice. In the afternoon, I have an Organifi red juice. And in the evenings, Organifi gold. When I'm training for triathlon, I actually mix the green and red juices together so that I can get the energy and the greens that I need. Organifi is now a sponsor of the show and they are giving us 15% off, not just your first order, but 15% off with every order when you use the code ELLA. 
you know I only work with advertisers that I personally use. In fact, nine times out of 10, I'm the one reaching out to them. That's what happened here. And Organifi is sponsoring the Live Better Start Now retreat in Miami. Every single participant will get to try their product. I'm excited about that because I want you to have what I'm having. The morning reset, the green juice has 11 powerful ingredients, including ashwagandha, adaptogens, greens, you name it for vitality. The red juice is filled with some of the things that Dr. Kara is mentioning in this episode, like beets and antioxidant-rich berries, more adaptogens, including cordyceps and rhodiola to provide natural and sustained energy. And then in the evening, that gold powder that I mentioned that I mix with plant milk, that is for relaxation, reduced inflammation, and it's just a really nice, warm drink to end the day with. These ingredients, these natural supplements, these pure, pure ingredients are helping me and I want them to help you. So if you're looking to add huge nutrient density to your day, but making it really, really easy, then jump on Organifi, look for their sunrise to sunset package. That's what I have on auto subscribe, but don't forget to use the code Ella. I'll put all the links in the show notes and you can save 15%. Thanks Organifi. Now, for clarity's sake, I did not ask you something that I'd love for you to just share. Can you share what the eight weeks was? We touched on it, but yeah. could, you just, could, could you put that in yeah, context? Yeah, 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 yeah. So our study was eight weeks long. It was a diet and lifestyle study. So as I said before, heavy vegetable forward, not a vegan plan in our research study, low glycemic. We did a very modest intermittent fasting structure, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. Um, we prescribed a probiotic. We prescribed a greens powder. So I'm so, it, those veggies, those polyphenols, and we can get some from fruits, are so insanely important that I doubled it, doubled down with a, um, a vegetable powder, a concentrate of these. We wanted people to sleep well enough, so we gave them sleep hygiene tips. Um, they meditated twice per day, 10 minutes minimum, twice per day, using just a basic, easy relaxation response protocol, super simple. They exercised a minimum of 30 minutes, five days a week. So that was the minimum. And it was just a perceived exertion of 60 to 80% of your maximum. So whatever your maximum is, you know, cut that down to 60 to 80%. Walking, whatever you feel like doing. We didn't dictate what folks did. They were required to, for the first four weeks of the study, check in with one of our nutrition team people who just made sure if they had any questions on recipes or, or, or getting the target nutrients, the minimum target nutrients, which are outlined in the book, you know, getting those in, how to do it, et cetera. So they just, the nutrition team just supported them in the nuts and bolts of the study. Um, and we measured at baseline their DNA methylation patterns, their biological age at baseline. And then we did again at the end. We also measured some other markers and I'll tell you, I can tell you about those like folate increased in circulation. Um, what else? Cholesterol dropped in our study population. There was a trend towards less anxiety uh, and more energy. Actually, I should say that these were healthy guys at baseline. So we didn't see massive sweeping changes because they came to us very healthy. But we did in DNA methylation as compared to baseline, they got, and compared to our control group, they were um, over three years younger. So that was the huge aha and, you know, sort of the exciting and unexpected finding. Let me tell you, like when we embarked on this study, no one had published changing the rate of biological aging. There was not a single study. So when we set out and we were looking at DNA methylation patterns, I was interested in, you know, looking at the chronic diseases and seeing if we could change gene expression around some of those. I knew we would look at biological age, but Steve Horvath, the developer of the clock, 
did not think that it could be shifted. Now, you know, a handful of good studies have come out starting to show that, yes, we can change it. Our study to date, as far as I know, is the only study that used a multimodal diet and lifestyle intervention and had a control group, had a group not participating as our comparison. Um, So this is a really new world. And, you know, amazingly, we were, you know, the first to show what we did. So you came at them from multiple, multiple angles, including nutrition, movement, meditation. Um, I won't list them all. And in eight weeks, you're telling me you saw a change of three years in their biological age? Yes, as compared to our control group. Mm -hmm. The reason this is really significant is most of us can't live in that bubble, right? Like, Kara, can I please be in your next study? Like, please. Use me. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people listening will be like, well, that'd be great if I could just turn off the spigot called life and stress and live like that for eight weeks. Yeah, I would be the better for it too. Here's my takeaway from what you're saying. My takeaway is A, I'd like to volunteer. And B, that was done in eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. So if I make 40% of those changes and I'm able to just get half a percentage better every day or even every week that I have years and years to improve by years and years. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It gets into some pretty extraordinary possibility. I mean, there is, this is a diet and lifestyle intervention. I don't, we're not going to hit what people call escape velocity, where you're basically, you know, you reverse, you reverse your biological age every single year. So every year you age, you reverse it, you age, you reverse it, which basically means you say, you know, you're ageless, you're timeless, right? We've hit immortality. This is the escape velocity. There are scientists 100% talking about that. And, and I can, I can, I can talk to you about that if you're interested in it. They are looking at ways to aggressively change DNA methylation patterns, like really aggressively. So using a diet and lifestyle intervention, you know, you're not there, you're not going to be exerting a drug effect. It's really safe. They would, there would be a point where, you know, you would stop biologically, uh, you know, slowing down your rate of aging, but you could maintain that and you could maintain your health span. Our desire was to, or is, continues to be you know, a nice, beautiful lifetime health span, you know, and then a abbreviated, relatively uneventful death, you know, whenever your whenever your time is right. You could look at some of the other interventions people are, if you want to hit escape velocity, you can go in that direction. I think it's a tad probably risky, maybe a little crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no vampire aspirations whatsoever. <laughs> I'm perfectly personally comfortable living to a nice decent age and then checking out like that's all yeah. fine with me. But yes. what a privilege to, you know, there's talk of aging gracefully. I don't want to age gracefully. I want to age as slowly as humanly yeah. possible. And yeah. I couldn't care less if there's some vanity in that. What what it is, 98.9% of it is, I want to wake up every day and feel good in my body and contribute to this world until yeah. I'm done participating in it. And that's vibrancy, that's energy. And those are hard things to channel when you don't feel well. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And we are, re- we're driving that car and we've got to get into it, take responsibility and know that there's so much we can do. One of the things I like to say, because I've talked to plenty of folks who 
for whom this protocol feels intimidating, you know, eight weeks of this really strict program, blah, blah, blah. But there's a 30 page nutrition appendix in the back of the book. And it's, it's specifically what we call epinutrients. So our diet is packed. Every forkful in the diet is, are these epinutrients. So if you go, if you flip over to this nutrition appendix on, on page 407, I've talked about it a lot. And with a, with a marker, with a highlighter, you will find you know, likely dozens of foods that you're already eating or that you're willing to eat. So it doesn't have entering into this journey doesn't have to be overwhelming and horrible and a turnoff. It can be fun. You know, these are, there's so many foods in here. You can feed your kids. If you want to think about gene expression in your kids, whoever it is in your family, your parents, you know, we can, we can do this. We can do this. What I really want to talk about is some of the lifestyle practices, because one thing that a lot of us listening put up with is stress. And mm-hmm. we accept stress. We treat it as though it's normal. We we believe it's we're we're extremely accustomed to having tense neck and shoulders and sort of not breathing deeply throughout the day. Like this is normal. Mm-hmm. This is normal for people who are functioning in society, right? And you say address stress as if your life depends on it. Why? Yeah. Stress is the gasoline on fire the fire of aging. Like I just can't underline enough how toxic stress is. Excess stress, actually a little bit of stress is empowering and motivating and is essential for life. But it's the toxic stress that breaks us down and really destroys us. We don't appreciate it in this culture. It's just like you said, yeah, we're all under tons of stress. I I, and and I too fall into that camp. And and the patients that I see, I'm I'm in Fairfield County in Connecticut, which is near to New York City. So I'll see, you know, a number, a lot of women in my practice who have families at home and they take the train into the city and they have some crazy high power job that, you know, is their their existence from sunup to sundown is entirely way too demanding. And they come with all sorts of ailments, you know, they can't gain weight, their knees hurt, blah, 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 blah. Um not blah, 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 I don't want to dismiss it, but we will do all of the standard functional interventions and stress is so clearly screaming at them, but it's often the last thing that they're willing to address. And I, and I, and I understand that I'm a business owner. I'm a mom also, um, I'm kicking cans down the road. But when I, when I really did this research, it was, um, it hit home, even with my stress reduction practices, it hit home all the more that I just 100% have to take my meditation time seriously, my biking time, you know, my I do resistance training, which is all really relaxing, like the various things that I do that bring me back to center and take a load off are, you know, essential, essential, the clock, the biological age clock. So looking at these DNA methylation patterns, the one that we used in our study, um, 25% of it is influenced by cortisol by the stress hormone. There's no other variable influencing that clock to that level of concentration, to that level of influence. I mean, it suggests that maybe aging trumps, excuse me, maybe stress trumps diet in the aging journey. You know, I mean, it really suggests it plays a huge outsized role to me. And let me actually tell you this too, because this is kind of heartening. There's research out there actually showing one meditation. So this would be somebody who has total monkey minds. They can't even barely sit still in their chair to do the meditation. One meditation can show beneficial changes on DNA methylation patterns. One, if you're a practiced meditation, so if you do it regularly, you are biologically younger. Like there's the influence. So one will have favorable changes, but it kind of spreads like wildfire. 
you know, onto um, throughout the body. And it's more influential the more you engage in the practice. Same with exercise, same with diet, same with all of them. So we just have to take it seriously. Somewhat similarly, you also talk about the connection of emotional and psychological experiences. And I, I found that interesting enough that I would love for you to just sort of explain the impact or just the what of biological embedding. What does yeah. that mean and why does it matter here? It's so extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Um, our emotional experience, our psychic experience, our emotional experience can be translated to DNA methylation patterns that will influence gene expression. So the psychic experience is translated to biochemical marks that will turn genes on and off for better or for worse, actually. Um, we can even inherit these patterns. So maybe if we, if, if our mom was really stressed when she was carrying us, you can have a lower stress threshold. So you'll experience stress sooner. Your genetics, your epigenome, your DNA methylation patterns will make you vulnerable to stress. And if you know this about yourself, you know, you, you want to really take that into consideration. It's important. Previous generations. So there's a heritability component to this. So, you know, grandpa in World War II or something like that, or Holocaust, we see this in, in, in Holocaust generations an influence on the on the epigenome, on DNA methylation in particular, lowering our stress threshold in general. That's what it looks like. So we're going to get stressed out easier. There may be some anxiety. Sometimes we can see uh, genes inhibited that we really want on, like the love hormone oxytocin. We can see that inhibited. We can also see changes to inflammation. So stress will drive inflammation. We can see the connection between stress and the chronic diseases of aging and DNA methylation patterns. So it has a profound influence. I want to say that engaging in what we did here in our study and beyond. So I, I also talk about, we didn't, we couldn't do it in our study, insist on cuddling and then have our control group not cuddle. I mean, just the thought of it is really funny, but like we couldn't, it, we couldn't have con cuddling be a variable, but you know that cuddling, that community, that connection, that love, you know, and that cuddling could be a pet. It could be your kid. It could be your significant other. There's a lot of ways that we can be soul nourished and these can help offset some of those negative patterns. It's it's just a it's an incredible phenomenon, and it's and and it's actually an area that I look forward to uh, researching on and seeing what kind of a difference we can make with our with our intervention. Brilliant. And at the end of the day, the main idea that I really wanted to share with everyone is your genes don't dictate your fate, and your age does not need to dictate how you feel. That's right. That's right. In fact, let me say that chronological age will be a, a very much a secondary number for us in the coming years and probably not so distant. We won't really care about that. We'll care about our biological age. Okay, Kara, one of the things that I like to do is just keep it really real. I mean, nobody is perfect except for your people in the eight-week study. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't entirely perfect, which actually is pretty cool, right? They weren't Because it's reality. Perfect. They adhered quite well, but you know, we didn't have them in a controlled environment. They were at home and yeah, they were not 100% oh. perfect, which is kind of neat because it means... There's a little bit of wiggle room to, and still we can get good outcome. Now, I don't want to, I don't want people to take that to a uh, fault, but because they did mostly adhere. But anyway, 
I digress. Go. Okay. So they were, they were not in a bubble, but we definitely are not in a bubble in our day to day. So Kara, what are, I'm going to make up a number. What are five things you definitely do almost all the time in order to sort of maintain or reduce your, your bio age? I'm dying to know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I move my body like really every day. It's the rare exception that I don't. It is my, um, my antidepressant. It is my grounding. It is, you know, my physical, but I mean, it's just very fundamental and important to me. I pay attention to my sleep and sleep hygiene. I talk a lot about it in the book because sleep was my weakest link. And it still is a struggle for me. It's the thing that I struggled with most. And so I, t- I walk through all my hacks and, and how I figured out how to get a good night's sleep. And I take that very seriously. I do really stuff my face full of a variety of veggies. And, you know, I do some berries, but a ton. I mean, I've got this seven cup Tupperware. You can see I've worked through a good chunk of my salad here today. You know, I just, I do it and I'll throw some beets on top. I'll hit my target nutrients, you know, in this in this salad um, most days. And I meditate. I tend to meditate really early in the morning. Um, I use an app called Healthy Minds, which is free. You can send people to grab that. It's from the University of Wisconsin where they study meditation. It's kind of cool. It's nice, nice free, a freebie for us. And I use, I use those guys um, really almost every single day. And um, I take, you know, for the So those polyphenols are incredibly important epinutrients. And when I don't get them in my food, I will, I will take them in supplements. I I do take quite a few supplements and I, and I walk through some of those in the book. So for instance, I take extra turmeric. I'm not a green tea and green tea drinker and green tea is a super, is a dynamic dozen, super important nutrient. Uh, So I take a green tea capsule because uh, I want to get mine and I just don't happen to like the taste. I take extra fish oil. I take vitamin D. Um, there's a there's a nutrient called Himalayan tartary buckwheat, which is packed with epinutrients. Packed. Um, there's a recipe for using Himalayan tartary buckwheat. There's also supplements that you can uh, take. That's just a concentrate of this Himalayan tartary buckwheat, and I take those. Kara, what is that second word? Himalayan tartary. What? Tartary. Himalayan tartary buckwheat. And so that's you know I'm bullish on that nutrient being an a, a, an important epinutrient, uh, but you can cook with it. You can order the flour. There's there's details in how to do that. We have a recipe in there for it. That those are the those are some of the big things. I actually take a little resveratrol and sulforaphane. Actually, t- I take sulforaphane. So sulforaphane you get in in cruciferous veg. So I, I'm I'm good about eating my cruciferous, and then I take a little bit extra. <laughs> I'm giving. I'm- Thank you for sharing all of that with us because at the end of the day, you know we can't do it all. All the time. So I'd love yeah. to know what you're doing, what you're managing to do like 80% of the time. Now I have to yeah. ask you, what is your biological age? <laughs> so my my chronological age is 55 and my biological age is 41. Oh my god. At my last measurement. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that you were younger than I, like by a lot. <laughs> Thanks. And as it turns out, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm younger than your chronological age, but you'll oh have to get your number soon. <laughs> I don't know if I want my bio age. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody don't know. kind of winces, but it's so cool. It's funny. Now, I don't think all the doctors in my practice have gotten their bio ages done for the same sort of like, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid. But it's so empowering once you kind of get in there and you get it. And, you know, I've seen mine you know, change with, you know, at different time points, I've been measuring it for a while, but my last one was, was good. And it was in the middle of a lot of of stress. I was very busy with the the book, but concurrently, I was also really practicing these principles. So it's nice to see. 
Well, my last question for you, because I can feel the listener asking this question, Kara, not everybody has access to you and your practice in Connecticut. Where would you direct them if they want practical guidance through this journey? Because everybody wants what we're talking about today. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I do. Yeah, right. <laughs> and well, I don't know where to go. So you can work with our nutrition team, no matter where you are. You can you can access us. Um, I would go over to youngeryouprogram.com. There's a couple of really cool things. First of all, you can get the your our biological age subjective assessment or self assessment. You can you can just take this little questionnaire and get an idea of how old you are biologically. It's super cool and it's free. Um, and then you'll we'll give you a little printout and it'll you'll see where you're doing well. You'll see where you can improve. Um, and then if you get the book, there's a ton of downloads that you can get from that site as well. And then you can sign up for our newsletter. So we have an amazing app and we will be soon launching app guided program and then app guided program plus uh, nutrition uh, groups like live. So you can interact not just with our amazing nutrition team, but with other people. And then we'll have the sort of a concierge. So if you want to work with a physician and just, you know, go the distance, you can, you can do that. So youngeryouprogram.com, sign up for our newsletter, and we will walk you into many different programs, but you can get all sorts of freebies there as well. Okay. Well, I definitely am. And of course, I'll link to all of that in the blog post for this episode. Thank you. And I just want to say that your book is just an enormously robust resource for anyone who is piqued by this conversation, wants to know more information. And I have to say, this is not evergreen, but right now, and when th this episode is released, it's less than $20 on Amazon, at least in the US. Yeah. So I'm linking to that go get yourself a copy. I sent a copy. We've got a couple of MDs in the family, doctors in the family, and I sent them this. And I was like, this is what cool. you should be doing in your practice. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm so good. Thank you so much. We do want to have a professional training. So we'll just have people, you know, how, how folk clinicians can get it into their practice as soon as possible. So that will, that'll be an offering that'll come down a little bit later, but for any professional listening to this, who's interested, you know, know that that's there. That's what I've done my whole life is trained other professionals. So I do want to give that to them should they want it. Well, I'm a big fan of your work. I'm super grateful to you for making this accessible to the masses, Kara. And we will share, we'll make it super easy for those who are joining us in this conversation today to learn more. So thank you so much for your Thanks. time. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure. A lot of fun today. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.